One of my favorite memories from 1L year is, I think it was the night before our Civ Pro exam, and you asked if we could study together. And I said, sure. So I came down to your apartment, and you went into your car, and you retrieved a Civ Pro book from the car that was still in the shrink wrap. I don't think I understood Civ Pro <laughs> one bit until like two days before the exam yeah. studying for it and being like, oh, like this is what we're talking about. Well, like, opening did, the like, book I didn't even helped. know what those words meant, like civil <laughs> yeah. procedure. I was right. just like, I don't know what, what this is. <laughs> This is Admissible. I'm Natalie Blazer, Dean of Admissions at UVA Law. Today's episode is going to be a real fun one. I can hardly contain my smile right now. Our guest today is someone I've known since I was 14 years old. Mike Keenan is a class of 2008 UVA Law alum and the co-founder and owner of The Juice Laundry an organic juice and smoothie bar with three locations right here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mike previously practiced law at Hollingsworth LLP in D.C. and currently serves as of counsel at Schroeder Brooks Law Firm, specializing in entertainment law. I'm super excited to have Mike here, not just because he's an old friend of mine, but because we haven't really had an alum on the show yet who's strictly talking about their career path. Um, We've had a lot of alums on just because they work at the law school or I know them in some other capacity, but today we're really focusing on the career path coming out of UVA Law School. A bit of an extended intro today because I feel the occasion warrants it. I have to give people background. Mike and I met our freshman year of high school at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Northern Virginia. Most people call it TJ. We were great friends in high school. After TJ, Mike went south to play baseball at Emory University while I went north to Boston College. Um, I do remember senior year of college, I called Mike on the phone. I had been in the months-long process of applying for a Fulbright, actually, to do post-conflict research abroad. And I had just found out that even though I made it to the very last round, I didn't make it. So this was April of 2005. I called Mike, and Mike... Do you remember what you said when I told you I didn't get a Fulbright? That we'd be going to law school together? Yes. <laughs> you said, I guess we're both going to UVA Law yep. then. Yep. Because uh, we had both gotten in by then. I didn't know if we would be going at the same time, but we did. And, and I have to say, because I always do, last man in right La- here. <laughs> Mike You'd claims, known for months. I had known since December. I had just found out. <laughs> Mike claimed Replacement he was the student. last. <laughs> the last one in. Um, well, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, I'm going to skip the icebreaker because when you've known someone since the 90s, we don't, we don't really we don't need that. Um, we could honestly talk about stories from law school and beyond for the whole time. But for our listeners who are out there considering applying to UVA, uh, Mike, I want to focus on your path from law school through legal practice to launching your own very successful business that's extremely popular here in Charlottesville, and now back to legal practice in some capacity while still running your small business. Yeah. Wild stuff. <laughs> so let's start with this. Go back in your mind to you know 2004, 2005. What really led you to pursue law school in the first place? 
I was not ready to get a real job mm-hmm. is the truth of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my friends were, were doing the interviews, the, you know, the on-campus interviews at the time, and I really had no interest and, and no plan. And so it was a natural, um, you know, with Cliff, my dad, being uh, a former attorney himself, it was just sort of the default law school and then figure it out three years from now. I actually think that's extremely common. It was definitely common back when we were um, applying. I think it's still common today. And and usually I tell people, you know, if you're not really sure of the reason or you just don't want to get a job, law school is a a huge undertaking. It's a huge financial investment. Um, So what would you say sort of to people out there who might be considering doing the same thing you did? So... I think I was in a relatively unique position having a dad, but also other family members who who are attorneys. And so I, you know, I had some some understanding of what it means to be a lawyer. And, you know, I, I've always enjoyed writing. And, and so understanding that, that that's part of the, the skill set or, you know, kind of what would be required uh, by attending law school, I can say that I sort of did it due to a lack of particular interest in doing anything else. (laughs) And I can see how that, you know, especially today, um, you know, might not be advice that everyone would want to necessarily, (laughs) uh, you know, follow themselves. But I mean, I think it goes to show that, you know, even if you don't have a very hyper specific path laid out in your own head about how you're going to practice law or put your degree to use, you know, there, there, there can still be an, an opportunity for you to say, well, I know enough about it that I, I, I feel good right. about my decision to go to law school, even if I don't necessarily have my full plan laid out. Right. And you knew, you knew what you were getting into for sure. And that does gel with advice I give people, which is you don't need to know exactly what your career is going to look like. You do need to understand what lawyers do, what practicing law looks like, and what the skills are. You mentioned writing you are a great writer. I know that you enjoy it. You're able to digest a lot of information and, and things like that. So no understanding what skill sets required and having those skills, uh, that's For all sure. super important. Yeah, yeah. So once you got to UVA, and we're going to, at towards the end of the show, talk about our time actually in law school. But I want to focus on your sort of career trajectory first. What did you do your 1L summer? 1L summer, I split my time between a federal magistrate judge in D.C. and the U.S. Attorney's Office. And then what about 2L summer? 2L summer associate with, at the time, Spriggs and Hollingsworth, a law firm in D.C., now Hollingsworth LLP. And what kind of work were you doing that summer, do you remember? A lot of of legal research, memo Mm -hmm. writing. Uh, So Hollingsworth is a kind of a mid-sized firm, uh, just one office in D.C., and they focus a lot on class action mm-hmm. or, or MDL, multi-district litigation defense, so, so sort of these big defense actions that you know might be taking place all over the country. So there was a lot of uh, like individualized state research on particular issues, uh, product liability, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so following graduation, from UVA Law, you you ended up taking a full-time offer from Hollingsworth where you spent your 2L summer. Yep. I didn't blow it over the summer. Good job. 
Good job. And so then what type of law were you practicing, um, you know, post-graduation at Hollingsworth? So same sort of stuff. Uh, We were involved in a few big product liability cases at the time, pharmaceutical stuff. I actually had a had a pretty unique experience at the firm, I would say. I, I got to do kind of some more one-off type type mm-hmm. cases, you know, working kind of directly with a with one partner on on cases. And some of it was even a little bit more pro bono-ish. For example, we investigated a not Bernie Madoff level, but a mm. Ponzi scheme with a local organization. I think it might have been a, a religious affiliate, uh, oh, wow. affiliated organization where they had this big kind of fund and they turned it over to a, a money manager. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't necessarily yeah. take good care of the money. So, you know, some random stuff. But for the most part, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of in the product liability world. I did, you know, I did depositions of, of doctors and, um, you know, stuff like that for these cases. Yeah. So. And so talk us through, you know, your decision to leave Hollingsworth, to leave private practice of law and, and sort of how the idea to launch a business came about. You know, I, I had a I had a great experience at, at the firm. It, this certainly wasn't a like, oh, I was worked to the bone and had to yeah. get out of there. Um, you know, I liked the people who, who I was there with, but I knew that it wasn't wasn't my passion. It wasn't something that that I that I saw myself doing for life. And so, literally, it was the morning of our annual review with the two mm-hmm. managing partners of the firm. And what you know, year associate were you? So I was a point? I was in my fourth year. Okay. I think I'd been there about three you know three plus years. Got it. And you mm-hmm. know it's like a fifteen minute meeting. Right. Not usually you know not usually a big deal. And I'm sitting there at my desk in the minutes leading up to it. And, and it just kind of hit me like, I'm going to go in there and put in my notice. Wow. You know, cause you know, normally it starts with them kind of saying, Hey, uh, you know, how are things right. going for you? What are you, you know, what are you feeling? What are you needing? And so it just sort of hit me that, that that's what I needed to do. And it was almost a moment where I was like, if I don't do it now, I could end up you know, sitting here a decade from now and kind of, you know, feeling like it's too late to do anything else with my life. So I went in there and sure enough, it it, it sort of went exactly as I pictured moments earlier. And, you know, they were surprised. Now, look, I wasn't a rising superstar (laughs) attorney. And so this, it, it, it's not as if it was devastating news to anyone at the firm that, you know, that I was putting in my notice. Um, but, you know, they understood and, and sort of, uh, you know, I kind of laid out just why I was doing it. It wasn't any issue with the firm. It was just right. something I felt like I had to do. And um, I, I told them I'd stay as long as, you know, needed to kind of wrap up the cases that I w- was currently working on. And it, it ended up being another five or six months oh, wow. um, from that day before I actually left. And uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> So I think I heard that story at the time, but I still think of it and, you know, the suddenness with which you like decided. But at the same time, the big law firms, that is their business model, right? Like they're kind of expecting fourth year, I would say, is not super uncommon to leave. Yeah. So you didn't know what you were going to do. So you were living in D.C.? 
Yeah, I was living uh, at just in in uh, Arlington at the time, and ended up back home with my parents for a couple months, and then uh, my one of my older sisters had recently moved back to Charlottesville with her family, and she had basically a, a basement with a spare bedroom, and so as I was sort of plotting out my next steps, she said, why don't you come down, stay with us for a little bit? At this point, the juice bar concept, you know, was in the mix okay. of ideas, and so it occurred to me there being nothing like that at the time, so this is like 2012-ish, mm-hmm in Charlottesville that this might actually be a good spot for it. So uh, I, I took them up on their offer and in that time launched the Juice Laundry. And so talk a little bit more about how you decided on the organic juices, smoothies. Like, how did you land on that? Well, so it was something that I was starting to incorporate into my own lifestyle and mm-hmm. diet at the time. I... Uh, Never particularly paid much attention to what I ate. Uh, I'm sure there's some, there's some stories about this probably <laughs> going back to law school. Um, I, I I didn't eat particularly healthy, so like the the juice and smoothies was something that I was getting into in my own life, and you know making smoothies for for other people and and um, realizing that it that it was something that was having an impact on me personally, and I I, I sort of thought. Well, you know, if anything, why not this? Why not try to bring this to other people, to a community? Right, to a college town where people definitely care about health. And, and okay, so you're living with Sarah and Sam, your sister and, yep. and brother-in-law and their three kids. And you start talk about sort of, you know, how the juice laundry began, because it definitely did not begin as like this brick and mortar right. storefront. So, so Sam, my brother-in-law, had a small office space uh, nearby uh, where 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 they lived, and it had a kitchen in it, and he wasn't using the kitchen at all. So I bought my first juicer machine, a Norwalk uh, juice press, and I started experimenting in his kitchen, kind of while he was yeah. doing his work every day. <laughs> um, so that that was sort of like the the recipe creation phase. So from there, uh, I found a local another you know, kind of small local food business, a donut shop. Carpe Donut. Carpe Donut. Um, Shout out to Matt Rohde for for giving (laughs) me my opportunity. So they only used their kitchen um, in the morning and then kind of into early afternoon. So, So I was able to sublet some space there and I would come in at, you know, like 3 p.m. every day and by this point, I, I had put up a website and people around town could order juice and I would mm-hmm. deliver it. So we didn't have a location, but, um, you know, it was basically a juice delivery service at this point. And um, I would come in and juice from 3 p.m. Sometimes I'd be juicing for 15, 16 hours straight uh, into Jeez. the night. And then I would make deliveries the following morning. Um, and then I would go home and sleep yeah. until, wow. <laughs> until, until the next <laughs> afternoon. So... And partly that was a result of the concept kind of being more more popular more quickly than I even anticipated and it kind of going from zero to 50 pretty quick. Right. And, and you know, I didn't have any kind of staff or, you know, any, any support for it. So it was sort of, you know, you just kind of do what you have to do. 
but people were loving the juice. And yeah. they're, you know, at one point, didn't you start selling it at like yoga studios? And yeah, so we, we experimented with a few ways of getting it out there. Also, I was doing the, the city market. Right. At the time. So right. that was every Saturday. That's a morning. great way to get it into yeah. more people's hands, yeah. right? Yeah, just good exposure. Right. So so I basically did that for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Sort of always looking for an opportunity for our first retail location. And right. that came about in around uh late 2014 or early 2015 yep. with the renovation of the old Coca-Cola building. And I remember I was in New York practicing law at Weill Gottschall, and it was, I want to say, like May of 2015 when you visited. Yeah. And we went out to dinner and... You became an investor. That's right. In the juice laundry. Yeah. Mike made his pitch. I obviously knew that like all of everything that you just said, I kind of knew that you were doing it. And then you told me you want to really open a shop. Right. You having a law background and just being a very smart person had put together all these materials. I probably didn't fully understand all of it. But being that I was at that point a seventh, eighth year associate making, you know, an eighth year associate salary had money to burn, um, agreed to be an investor. And then I want you to talk about sort of over the summer because I remember I came to Charlottesville that summer. Yep. And we were you were like showing me all your recipes. Yeah. So talk about how you were like coming up with the different ones. The blaze. The blaze. <laughs> so so at that point I, I kind of had a, the line of juices mm-hmm. already established, um, but now with the opening of of our first full location, we had the opportunity to add smoothies and smoothie bowls and, you know, some other stuff because, you know, we're actually now going to be able to serve people on demand rather than it be sort of an order ahead and right. deliver sort of sort of setup. And so I, I'd already kind of come up with this idea for for the spicy smoothie. And I was thinking, man, the blaze. I mean, that's just kind of, you know. A match made in heaven, right there. So, and for those who so don't I remember, know, I remember giving you the the sample of it. That's that, right. Yeah. And I agreed on the spot. This is the smoothie I want named after me. Yeah. Um, a lot of our friends in our high school friend group call me Blaze, um, which long predated the Blaze, but it does make perfect sense because it's this beautiful kind of pinkish red color. It is spicy. Um, it's not the best seller, but I think you told me it was like oh. it's up there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, it, it's 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 a little bit of an unusual one, and so it, yeah. But it, it's it has it's a up cult there. Following. It's like a top three, top four. Yeah, smoothie. Yeah, I f- I feel like if, if someone likes the blaze, <clears throat> they only ever get the blaze. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so since this is a show for law school applicants, not for juice bar entrepreneurs. <laughs> Although everyone <laughs> loves juice, I mean. Um, okay, so how did your UVA law degree come into play sort of at at every step of the way when you're kind of conceiving the business, getting it off the ground. I, I can imagine contracts, labor and employment, property. Like what are the biggest ways that the law degree kind of helps you through that process? So, I, I mean, I'll, I'll speak fairly generally on this because really at the end of the day, I think what you learn in law school is how to think critically and with specificity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, the you know, my law degree, 
it gave me a sense of confidence of being able to navigate mm-hmm. the very and especially in the food world, you know, you're dealing with various regulatory department, you know, you've got the health department and the Department of Agriculture and the FDA and you know, you're you're having to navigate not only sort of the standard you know, local business licenses and and tax uh, you know, how to how to get tax and all that sort of stuff. You know, it just gave me, I think, a, a level of confidence to feel like, well, you know, if I can't figure this stuff out, even if it's hard, even if it's annoying, who can? I love what you said about the confidence and understanding things with specificity, clarity. Like, it's a lot of wading through things that uh, that I think a quote-unquote lay person might easily become overwhelmed. Right. But you kind of tell yourself, I know how to do this. Yeah. There were probably times where I there's a decent chance I might have given up, just been like, wow. ah, this is hard. I I, mm. I I don't have the skills to figure this out, and I you know I, I was bootstrapping it with hardly anything, and so you know if there ever came a point where like I needed to hire an attorney and spend four or five, six grand to get a contract yeah. done or reviewed or a lease reviewed. Yeah. It might have been enough for me to be like, you know what? It was a, you know, it, it was a, it was a fun ride yeah. kind of exploring this idea, but I'm not going to follow through with it. Yeah. Wow. I could definitely see that. Yeah. And so at some point, given that it was sort of running successfully, it's established in the community, you decided to return to practicing law in some capacity. So how did that come about? Well, completely as a direct result of the juice laundry, because Mm -hmm. Kirk Schroeder, the managing partner of the small firm that I I now work with, uh, is one of our first original longest running, most active customers at the shop. And what's his order? Well, the blaze yes. is a big one, and the matcha latte. Love he, it. he can he can crush some, <laughs> some matcha latte and some blaze. Uh, and so Kirk, like myself, is vegan. Kirk sort of found us because we were a, a totally plant based uh, option, and so he started taking meetings there. And I met a bunch of, you know, he 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 represents, um, you know, really anyone in the entertainment world. So you know, authors and, and uh, producers and um, filmmakers. And so I've met some some of his clients over the years in the shop because that was sort of became his de facto meeting place. And literally, I was running up to, to drop something off at the shop one day. I think it was even after hours, and Kirk never knows when our hours are, so he's constantly <laughs> showing up either too early or too late. And and so he was trying to get in. I think I ended up letting him in and making him a smoothie, and we got to talking a little bit about you know what just what he was up to mm-hmm. with his with his legal work, and you know he made a comment like, you know I just I, I can't find good people who who like will last. You know, uh, I mm. think I think he runs into, you know, maybe a situation where he hires a young associate and then, you know, they they he he trains them and and um, you know, they they spend a couple years or a few years with them and then, you know, they get an offer from like a big, you know, New York or LA entertainment firm. And yeah. so it's kind of a stepping stone. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but he, you know, he was just sort of lamenting like, man, it's tough to like, you know, I'm just swamped in work wow. and you know, I, I don't have enough people or the time to go hire people. You know, it's a very, very small firm. So, yeah. um, so I said to him, like, well, I, you know, I've been keeping my Virginia bar license 
active, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in whatever they call it, the associate status or whatever. But, you know, I could basically renew that at any time. And, you know, I've got some free time. And if you, you know, if you want to explore it, you know, I'm open to it. So I had a meeting with uh, with Kirk and, and uh, you know, the, a couple other lawyers there and basically just started doing work for him. That's great. I can't imagine at this phase of life, after eight years in admissions, ever going back to practicing law. So, you know, you sort of in the same boat. What, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it, and, and again, I mean, it sort of was similar to my other decision where it was something that I, I had not been thinking about or pursuing. But in this span of like a half hour right. of, of talking <laughs> to Kirk, I was sort of like, hey, you know what? Why not? And it's sort of like parallels. Yeah. You left getting back legal, in, right, right. Exactly. Just so, a split second decision. Yeah. And and I mean, what's it like? You know, it, entertainment law, which, again, is kind of the bulk of what we do, you know, it's not litigation. It's not, um, you know, it, it's mostly contracts. And right. so not something that I was unfamiliar with or, you know, that you really need much time to jump back into. I kind of had the training wheels on more from my own benefit and sanity mm-hmm. starting out. Just right. like, uh, well, I'm, I haven't been a lawyer in years, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to screw anything up. And yeah. so, you know, but I mean, it's it, it's a little bit like getting back on a bike. The The terminology and the language and all that just kind of comes back to you. And Totally. It's almost like muscle memory. I mean, yeah. I'll have one else come in the office and they'll tell me what they're studying in torts and I'll just rattle off like whatever the rule is. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and like you said, law school was really all uh, a, a lot about teaching you a, a way of thinking right. and, and analysis and, and all of that. Um, so now that we're transitioning sort of into um, the fun topics, I totally forgot to mention because you said you kept your Virginia bar license active this whole time. Yeah, I have not done the same with New York. I have fully relapsed. Um, I forgot to mention that because you are barred in Virginia, you are able to officiate my wedding. That's true. Yes. Two, a little over two years ago. Yeah. Um, and what a great job you did as a first-time officiant. Well, what a great job you guys did. <laughs> as We're still here two years later. <laughs> so good job. All right. So now we're going to get into some fun talk about our time as students at UVA Law. First of all, we were very good friends going into law school. And... I remember we got to Charlottesville. It was August 2005. So I got us apartments one above the other in Ivy Gardens, where a lot of law students live. I also found your roommate for you through a random like yeah. message board. We won't talk about that, but it was fine. Oh, yeah. No, it was, I, he was a nice great. guy. Yeah. Well, so, one of the more interesting people I've ever come across absolutely. in my, my Th- that's first for year sure. roommate. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm... I remember my parents are there. They're helping me move into my apartment. And I said, you know, Mike, like, go go to the law school, like figure out what sections we're each in so that we can like start buying our books. So I got our section assignments and I think I just went right up to your apartment, knocked on the door. Yep. Mike says we are both in section F. And I think my mom started crying because she <laughs> she couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is that like a one in the twelve odds, or yeah. fifteen? I, I guess it's like many, I don't know what the odds would be, one but in it was fourteen chance. It was, unreal. but it sort of felt inevitable that we would end up in the same section. It did kind of like I, I wasn't surprised. It was more like, 
Yep. Yep. There, there's here we my are. name. Yeah. There's Natalie's name. Sure enough. <laughs> there we both are. As people know who have been listening and, and studying up about law school, you're, you're in a section of 30 people and you have every single class with that section. And so, you know, Mike and I kind of had like built in um, friendship in section F. And we had a great section. We had the best section that has ever walked. And I know probably a lot of people say that, but like we did. We did. Um, So let's do sort of a lightning round of of favorites. Um, Obviously favorite section, section F. Um, What was your favorite class? Like first year? Well, let's do first year and then overall. Oh, first year class. I I mean, this is going to sound weird because he called me out, but like Crim Law with Jeffries, you know, he he was he was great. Oh, Dean Jeffries cold call of Mike. Uh, Painful. (laughs) Uh, We had great. We had the best faculty. I mean, I I think we we had Jeffries. um, Dick Howard. Oh, yeah. A little further down. Yeah. And then I took one of his uh, short courses. Um, one of like the in between, right? Oh, J term, J term. Yeah. Um, I'll put Schrager out there. Property. That was one of the best classes I thought. Yeah, yeah. He was great. Um, I I took a a a psychology in law class. My must have been my actually second year. Um, with a. Thomas Hefemeister? I don't. Oh I, I yeah, Hefemeister. I, I think he's I still he's still around. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 That, I I loved that class, um, and and that was one, probably the one class where I feel like I actually kind of engaged and re- and and excelled as a result of it. Yeah, um, wow. And, and I actually got my final paper published in the the Journal of Law and Mental Health. That's a small journal, yeah. But, you know, but that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still have the the some copies of it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. When you do put your mind to it, that's when all of the sort of the magic happens. Um, what are the extracurriculars you enjoyed? Now we're going to go down the softball path. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> was there anything besides softball? Yeah, did you do anything else besides? I, I, we we played a lot of softball. We spent a lot of time at that field. Section um, F, team name. Fear Factor. Was it? Man, I, yes. I, I, I can remember a few of them. Bingo, and bango. Bingo, ba- right. I can remember some others. but So so talk about sort of Fear our section factor, softball right. team and just the – we were well, hated. I mean, are, we, are we talking about Doobie here? We're talking about Doobie. <laughs> Doobie, our classmate, was our um, – Captain. I think self-appointed manager. captain. And yeah. he was rough. He was really rough on us. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, if, you, if you weren't performing, you were out of the lineup. Yeah. It was and 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 most and at least for the section teams, like the idea was a little bit more. We're all just having fun we're here. All up. You know, we're not. <laughs> not it's not really about winning and losing. It's more right. just hanging out and camaraderie. And right. and Doobie did not get that memo. No, he and, did not. Uh, and he treated it like it was the World Series out there, making moves well, and pulling people and pinch hitting and pinch hitting. <laughs> and we did win the one else. I mean. W- w- the one yeah, L softball even a, tournament. It wasn't even a competition. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't we, close. Yeah. <laughs> I also should point out, yes, Doobie was, you know, really uh, an inspiring leader for us all. Uh, but also, you know, you played college baseball. 
Yeah. Uh, Hitchcock played Hitchcock. college baseball. I mean, we, we had a we had a lot of athletes. Ju- we yeah. had a lot of people Ganner like specifically college football. Right. We um, I, the the same way that you and I somehow got placed in the same section. All of the college yeah. athletes got put into this yeah. section as well. And it's funny. I mean, I didn't know anything about the softball. Me neither. Me neither. And like now it wasn't it wasn't as if oh I I, I applied here because I want right. to play a lot of I, I never envisioned playing softball in my life really but. Agreed. I did not know, but then I was so happy that that was oh, yeah. a tradition. Yeah. And for people who are listening and think, I don't play softball. I'm not good at softball. You don't have to play or be good. Um, you certainly don't need to be good. Um, unless it's Doobie's just, your manager. Unless Doobie's your leader, then yeah, your captain, I should say. Um, a lot of people just come out and they, they sit on those bleachers at Copley and they just yeah. watch. They hang out. They cheer. Um, they cheer for their teammates. It's It's a in the okay. softball tournament, come on. Well, I mean, in the softball tournament, for those who don't know, in the spring is when we invite all of the law school teams from around the country yeah. to come play against UVA's teams. Again, the competition is a little lopsided, I would say, since UVA has been playing At least all year we're round. There, yeah. <laughs> but um, it is, I think, the best weekend of the year. You. Yeah. You get to interact with schools from all over. They, you get to show them sort of your traditions and how special UVA law is, um, for sure. I mean, we were, I don't know how it is lately, especially post-COVID, but, I mean, 50, 60 law schools with oh, yeah. seven teams. I mean, oh, it's, it's back crazy. up to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you say your favorite memory from all of law school is? Fav- Man, that's a tough one. Honestly, I think for me, like what's most vivid still, I would point to just kind of like late 3L year Mm. at the house on Ivy, Mm. you know, whether it was end of the year parties or Foxfield or graduation stuff, like just having that group, you know, our our group of friends and people who we, we, you know, we had spent the last almost three whole years together with. And, you know, there was a sadness to it because we were all heading out in in different directions. But, you know, those memories where it was just sort of like the the work had been done and, Mm -hmm. you know, we we did have bar prep ahead of us. Right. But, but, you know, like as far as the degree went, you know, the work had been done. Right. And, you know, we, we had we had created just these these great relationships which some of our law school friends are still you know the people who I'm closest with yeah uh, and you know I just have certain memories from from like that era that just absolutely yeah. well now I'm getting nostalgic this could go this could go on longer <laughs> but we do need to wrap up so what advice would you give out there to someone who's a lot of our listeners are applying to law school they're thinking about law school what would what would you tell them? I would say be open to the possibilities. You know, it's kind of generic cliche advice for law school because it's kind of the, you know, oh, well, you, you can do it. Yeah. Do anything with a law degree. But, you know, there is truth to it. And mm-hmm. so, like, don't just write it off. You right. know, think about it. And I mean, you know, think of ways to to apply your degree you know, if not in a traditional way, in a in, in kind of a unique way. I mean, there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff happening in the legal world with AI and just how that is all going to be applied and used and 
prohibited. And, you know, I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a really interesting intersection, I think, as technology and particularly AI technology is kind of brought into how we uh, solve legal problems in this country and really around the world. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be an exciting time to be embarking on a career in law, especially if you are, are sort of thinking of these ways where it's that are particularly relevant today. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, you know, the world is only more messed up by the day. That's and true. so, you know, that like the, the, there are there are ways to help with a law degree. I mean, a law degree is powerful. Mm. And so, you know, how how can you, you know, use that in, in a way to, to make an impact? But So true. So true. There is so much good that needs to be done. Um, yeah. So, Mike, anything else you want to make sure listeners know before we sign off? Nothing. I don't want them to know anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Mike, we as, filled their brains. As, as much as I knew it would be, this was so much fun. Thank you. It was. Thanks for, for having me. Show. I know it was inevitable that you know. Yeah. It we, was, we'd have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> This has been Admissible with me, Dean Natalie Blazer, at the University of Virginia School of Law. My guest today was my longtime friend, class of 2008 alum, Mike Keenan. For more information about UVA Law, please visit law.virginia.edu. And if you're in Charlottesville, go check out the Juice Laundry. The next episode of Admissible will be out soon. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Instagram at, at @admissiblepodcast. Thanks so much for listening, and please remember to rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts.